begin this morning uh, as we switch gears pretty hard. Uh, do you remember, any of you ever read The Emperor's New Clothes? You know what I'm talking about? The Emperor's New Clothes? Uh, anyway, uh, the tailor uh, was pulling a fast one on the emperor, and he said, oh, I've got these gorgeous set of clothes for you, uh, king. Uh, but actually, it was just pretend, make-believe, and the emperor was walking around in his skivvies. You guys like that, skivvies? Is that, is that preach for you? Anyway. Uh, but everybody didn't want to speak up. They just wanted to pretend along with everyone else that, oh, you look great, king. King, you're looking marvelous. Uh, but the truth was, he didn't have any clothes on. That kind of applies to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, sadly, um, I, I'd love to be able to say, wow, isn't the church of Jesus doing marvelous? Uh, aren't we all shining bright? Aren't we all living strong? Aren't we changing the world by loving like Jesus everywhere we go? And, and I wish I could say that, but that would be saying, King, you're looking good today. But the truth is, uh, by almost every measure, the church of Jesus Christ is not that much different than the folks who don't know Christ, who are atheists and agnostics and unchurched. And I just ask the hard question, why aren't we different? Why, why is it that our families and our marriages are not that much different than folks who want nothing to do with the Bible or Jesus or the cross. Just, just think with me. Why, why not? Why is there so little difference? Does it bother you that the church doesn't stand out, shine bright in front of unchurched Harry and Mary? Does it bother you that, that we're not all that much different than the people uh, who, who have nothing to do with Jesus, have nothing to do with his church, aren't interested in God's word, um, why aren't we more different? Why, why don't we shine bright for Christ? That's the, the challenge and uh, the, the question today. I would suggest to you a big reason why is because most followers of Jesus find it really difficult to go against the flow. You like that? That picture there? Yeah, it's really true. We're living in this fallen world, um, and for us to go against the flow, for most of us, that's not comfortable, that's not easy. It's easier for us just to go with the fallen world we live in. Uh, fact is, too many of us are being transformed by the sinful pattern of this sinful system, the world, the cosmos that we live in. Most of us, we're getting transformed by the world instead of having God's Word and Jesus Christ and His Spirit transform us. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a couple amazing verses that I would point you to. Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome, to the church at Walloon. Here's what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters at Walloon, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. First, first thing we're called to do, look at verse 1. Daily, regularly, 
offer, and the verb there is to do it and continuously keep on offering your body as a living sacrifice. And then verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Get that second one? So uh, we're, we're going to resist getting conformed to the pattern of this world, and we're daily going to keep on offering our body as a living sacrifice to King Jesus. Uh, I, I think the example we're going to see here today in the book of Daniel is going to speak strong to us, okay? Uh, Daniel and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to go against the flow. They, they were willing to go against the flow, the current of the day they lived in. And, I, and I'm saying to us, saying to me, we need to be going against the flow, refusing to conform to the pattern of this fallen world. And uh, the three guys we're going to look at today, they resisted the pressure of the king. And they resisted the, the urge just to go with the flow, okay? They made up their minds ahead of time before the pressure, before they were feeling the hostility and the anger and, and the intense uh, heat <laughs> of what they were going to face, they determined in their hearts, minds, and wills, I'm, I'm not going with the flow. I'm going to go against the flow. I'm not going to be conformed even if the cost is enormous. And for them, the cost was I'm willing to die rather than compromise. Think about it. I'm willing to die before I'll compromise. We're in Daniel 3. Uh, we're going to read together the first seven verses. Uh, know that these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's, it's been about 20 years since uh, chapter 2 when uh, Daniel was able to interpret Nebi's dream. So now fast forward 20 years. They're likely now in their mid-30s, okay? Get that in your brain. These guys, they're not, they're not old and seasoned and, and, and long-standing. They're young guys still, right? Mid-30s, that's young, right? <laughs> Just a kid. Uh, would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read the first seven verses out loud together, okay? Here we go. This is uh, God's Word. Let's read. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, free prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he'd set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. 
As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, wild and crazy story that's true and historical and you've preserved for us. I, I pray, Lord, that we'll learn and be challenged today by the actions, by the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, there's good stuff for us to grab a hold of. So uh, it's been a long week, Lord. Uh, some of us are kind of weary because we were watching things blow up last night. So would you wake us up right now? And Lord, if there's anything that uh, has happened in this past week that you would call sin that we haven't dealt with, would you point that out right now? Lord, anything that uh, we've said, anything that we've looked at, any any wrong, sinful thoughts, attitudes, uh, anything, thought, word, deed, Lord, that your book calls sin, and maybe we haven't thought about it since we participated, maybe, maybe we've been shoving it away from us, Lord, make it clear, because we want to be in right relationship with you right now. We want to be ready to uh, worship well as we dig into your book today. Lord, as you show us stuff that needs to be confessed, we do the U-turn and we run to the cross and Lord, we recognize it was at the cross where your son washed and cleansed and purified us from all of our unrighteous, sinful acts. And right now, Lord, we realize you marked paid in full our account because of the shed blood of your son, Jesus. But right now, we're going to draw on that account what you've made clear to us. We're going to write that check of confession. We're going to ask you to wash and cleanse whatever it is you're pointing out to us right now. Make us clean. Lord, we want to be back in right, solid relationship with your son, Jesus. All the church family at Walloon Lake, watching online here in person, said with one unified voice. Nope, you're not. That was awful. Okay. And all the church family watching online, gathered here in person, said with one wide awake voice. Yeah. Well done. You may be seated. Rochelle, I think we might need the volume up a little louder than normal. I think it might be true. Again, Daniel 2, 
uh, is what we finished off last week, and now Daniel 3. And sometimes it feels, well, like in the next day, chapter 3, and we don't recognize. No, sometimes lots of time, a lot of time had passed. Most commentators think uh, 20-ish years had passed, okay? Um, And in chapter 2, Daniel had told King Nebuchadnezzar, here's your dream, here's the interpretation, okay? Uh, And now, it's almost like 20 years later, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I think I'm going to bring that dream into reality, Um, and and I think I'm going to build one of those statues that Daniel told me about. And it's going to be golden, and it's going to be amazing, okay? So just like the dream we talked about in Daniel 2, I'm going to actually erect a a statue in my honor. Now, here's the difference. If you look at verse 47, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. You were able... He was amazed... So he acknowledges, Daniel, your God, the God of the Bible, is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods. And now 20 years later, he drifts. (laughs) And now he's thinking, you know what, I I think I want to be the God, the one that everybody worships, okay? Verses 2 and 3, all those names, the, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the, the satraps, the magi, that's all the hot shots because remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the world at this time. He controlled all of the known world at that time, okay? So he's calling all the officials from all around the world, come, something really special is going on here. And uh, it seems that they were all decked out in the ancient equivalent of tuxedos and black ties and, and all of the fancy dress uh, that, that they could gather, okay? And now they're all coming together. Can you imagine how long it took? First of all, word had to go out, hey, I want you to come to Babylon. Uh, Dura was a flat uh, place just outside of Babylon, okay? The, the uh, plains of Dura, I want you to come I suspect this took weeks, maybe months, to get the word out, here's what you got to do, and then for all of them to come and gather at Dura, a few miles outside of Babylon, okay? Here's the details. We just read verse 4, when you hear the music, and I'm going to name the music here, John, Ode to Nebi, Ode to, to King Nebi, okay? So when you hear the Ode to Nebi, Verse 5, verse 6, fall down on your face and worship the image. And it was clear to everybody, the image represented King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Mandatory. Verse 7, and the warning is clear. I'm not asking, I'm telling. This isn't a suggestion. Nebuchadnezzar is ordering obedience. Uh, why would Nebuchadnezzar want to do this, okay? Why, why would he gather everybody in this fashion? Uh, first of all, I think it was an attempt to unify Babylon. Remember, 
They conquered all of these countries over the decades. Now this is an opportunity to bring everybody back, all the, the hot shots, all of the officials, and we're going to try and unify the kingdom, which was at this time a worldwide kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar ruled and controlled. Unify it under one common religion, and what would the religion be? You're going to worship the king. You're going to worship Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So the second thing that this would do would feed Nebi's ego. He, he clearly was an insecure guy, and he needed to see that everybody bowed down. Everybody knew who he was. Nobody is going to mess with me because, after all, I'm kind of godlike. That's Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, unify the kingdom and uh, feed Nebi's ego. Verse 8, uh, I call this, the snitches get jealous. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews, okay? I just want you to hold your spot there. If you have your Bible or your phone, go back to verse 24, because back in verse 24, 20 years earlier, Daniel runs and says, don't execute the wise men, don't execute the magicians, take me to the king, and I'll interpret his dream for them, okay? Literally, Daniel saved these guys from death. So these are the same people that Daniel had 20 years ago literally saved their lives. Now, notice where they're at. Uh, they said, verse 9, to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. <laughs> we want you around always. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, lyre, harp, pipe, I don't know which way it is. Uh, uh, Andy will tell me afterwards. He knows all the music. Anyway, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship, they're repeating back the order. Here, here's, here's where the jealousy and the envy jumps in. But there are some Jews who you've set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Can you believe it, Nebuchadnezzar? We couldn't. We couldn't. Now, now, you need to understand that there was a huge crowd. Everybody was required to be here. How many of you have been to the big house, U of M, at the football state? Can I see? Now, multiply that by four or five. Now, we're looking at the number of people, okay? So, you got massive three, four, five hundred thousand people and when Nebuchadnezzar looked out at this crowd, as far as he could see, everybody was bowing down. Um, uh, this probably, uh, I thought this was interesting, uh, many of the upper dignitaries probably had an, uh, an ancient equivalent of skyboxes, me meaning they were up there overlooking the crowd, and when Nebuchadnezzar's looking out, probably he couldn't see everybody who were in the skyboxes with him, all, all the really big officials, okay? So 
they were out of Nebuchadnezzar's sight, but they weren't out of um, the, the jealous, envious one's sight. They were only too happy to knock down their Jewish competition. Now, before we go on, where's Daniel? Where's Dan in all of this? If you go back to chapter 2 and in verse 48, he was assigned, you're going to oversee Babylon, the, the kingdom, the, the capital city, okay? So it seems he's likely back at the palace overseeing the capital. He, he wasn't there. He was to, to stay back, okay? So that's what's going on. Uh, they go, they snitch, they're, they're bad people. We're all with you, Nebi. Uh, they they want to tear the Jews down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? Now we're going to see a royal tantrum. Okay? A royal tantrum. Powerful king, rules the whole world. Uh, verse 13, here we go. Here's the tantrum. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or, or worship the image of gold I've set up? Verse 15, <laughs> Now when you hear the sound, loop, flute, harp, zither, lyre, pipe, all kinds, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. I'm, I'm going to give you another chance. I kind of like you guys. You, got, you guys are some of the best. I'm going to give you another chance. Maybe you didn't hear. You know, maybe you had your headphones on and weren't paying attention. Um, so if you worship, you're, you're going to be fine. But if you do not worship, you're going to be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? <laughs> He's mad. He's furious. Why? Because some of his advisors, give me your eyes, were raining on his royal parade, okay? Um, and he likes them enough to give them a second chance. Uh, normally, kings at this time, instant, instant, you're dead, execute them. But he likes them enough, he's going to give them another chance. Uh, and here's what they say in response. Verse 16, um, these are some of my favorite verses in God's Word, okay? They really are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to think about it. We don't need to pray about it. We don't need to seek advice on this. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Did you catch that? We just want you to know, Nebi, the God of gods, remember the one that you were so amazed at back in chapter 2? The God, he is able to deliver us. And he could deliver us from your majesty's hand. That won't be hard. Verse 18 is the part I love. But, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, Nebi, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Just, just want you to know, we, we don't have to pray about it. We don't have to defend ourselves. We want you to know, we know our God is awesome. And if he wants to, he can save us. But even if he doesn't, 
we're not going to bow down. We've already made up our minds. Um, so, so here's my question, okay? Why not just drop and take a quick knee and then get back up, just a silly statue of wood and gold? Why risk getting killed over this silly idol? Okay, because I think some of us would say, well, just, just take a knee, do it fast. Okay, Nebi, we'll please you, we don't want to die. Why didn't they just do that? Why did they risk death? Because of this goofy idol. If you have your Bible or on your phone, go to Exodus chapter 20, would you? Genesis, Exodus chapter 20. We'll put it up here, I think, on, on the screen as well. But here's what um, the ten suggestions say, okay? You'll have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're saying, these were not the ten suggestions, right? These are the ten, what are they? Okay, few of you got it. Uh, they weren't viewing what we just read as suggestions. These were the ten, say it loud, commandments. This, this is God's word. And they were going to stand up to this powerful king, and they didn't have to figure it out. They didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to give it a lot. Let's talk here a little bit. No, they'd already made up their minds. This is God's word. We're going to stand on it, period. We don't need to pray about it. Don't need to think about it. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. This is God's book, and we're going to live God's word, okay? Going to stand strong, true, no matter what the cost. Did you catch that? Even if it cost me my life, these three guys in their 30s are saying, okay, it might, I might die, but I'm going to die in obedience to God's word, the Ten Commandments. Okay? Now, just want to pause, play a little game in your head. If you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, you weren't ready to die, you weren't willing to die, what are some of the excuses that they could have used for just bowing down quickly and going with the flow. Think with me. What, what kind of, they're in mid-30s now. Uh, they've been kidnapped. They've been taken by force, castrated, and made a part of Babylon's uh, kingdom and Nebuchadnezzar's advisors. What kind of excuses could they have come up with? I, I, I listed five, okay? First excuse, we don't have our leader with us. Daniel has always been there with us when we're doing the diet in chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, when the dream, and Daniel's not here, there's no one to lead us, so we might just go ahead and we'll follow the king. Second excuse is the most obvious one, I don't want to die, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, literally be cremated uh, by the king in his fancy furnace, okay? 
third excuse, this might be an opportunity to move up, okay? If we bow down, now he knows who we are, and he sees we're willing to go along with his program, maybe we'll get a, a new and better position going along and be a part of the movers and the shakers. Uh, fourth excuse, we're still pretty young. <laughs> you know, maybe when we're in our 50s and our 60s and 70s, then we'll get serious and stand strong on God's word and do it God's way. But, but we're still young. Uh -huh. Fifth excuse, we're far from home. Hardly anybody knows us here. Who would know if we just do a quick touch of the knee and uh, bow down, no harm, no foul, nobody would really know, right? So we'll just do it and, uh, and uh, then we'll ask God to forgive us. Question is this. When it comes to God's word, the Bible, where, where do you stand? Would you answer that? You know? Where do you stand when it comes to God's owner's manual for our life? I'll stand in obedience when it's convenient. I'll, uh, I'll line up my life uh, as long as it doesn't cost me much. I'll stand on the promises when I feel like it. You know, some days I feel really good and I'll stand, and, and when I don't feel like it, not so much. Here's, I think, one of the key lessons. The testimony, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, shouts to the church at Walloon, we better get our feet firmly planted on God's book before trouble, before difficulty, before pressure arrives. Because the truth is, if we wait till the pressure comes, and now I'm feeling pressure, and oh no, it might cost me something, if we wait to decide then, probably we're going to cave. These men had their hearts set. They already had their minds made up. This is God's word. And long before Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to bow down and disobey Exodus 20, they already made up their mind, no, no, we're going to do it God's way no matter what. And if we're not willing to do that, again, we're likely going to give in and go with the flow. Now some of you might be thinking, you know, Pastor Jeff, I don't hear much grace here. <laughs> I, I, I don't hear much New Testament. This is Old Testament stuff. Um, that's law. This doesn't apply. Okay, let's do some New Testament. John 14, 15. Here's what Jesus says. If you love me, obey what I command. John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. 1 John 3, 24, those who obey Jesus' commands live in him and he in them. 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God to obey his commands. Can I tell you something? <laughs> it's an Old Testament thing, but it's a New Testament. It's a Jesus follower thing as well. So, if your boss asks you to shade a report next week, what are you going to do? If, if a fellow student 
says, hey, can I look on your paper? I didn't get a chance to study. I was watching the bang-bangs in the sky. Can, can, I, can I just look on a little bit with you? It's not going to be a big deal. If the bill at the restaurant this afternoon is missing a couple of dinners, how are you going to respond? If you're on your computer and an obscene message pops up, how are you going to handle it? Here's the fact. You've got to make up your mind ahead of time. <laughs> you already have to say, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I'm already firmly planted here. This is who I am. This is where I get my marching orders. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And if you don't make up your mind ahead of time, you're probably going to give in and cave and just go with the flow. I'd like to uh, close today. Let's go to the new section, okay? Would you turn with me uh, on your phone or Bible, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Um, it has something, I think, pretty interesting to say uh, about what's going on with pressure, with going with the flow or not. James chapter 4, and uh, slide down to verse 7. I want to tell you a little bit. Uh, this is written by Pastor James, pastor in Jerusalem, and he's writing to his church that had been scattered. Okay, They, they were his, his brothers and sisters in the church family, and now pressures come, and they run all over the ancient world to escape persecution. So they were kind of cocooned in religious, conservative Jerusalem, and now... They're all over the world. They're, they're in places that have all of these strange idols and pagan gods and pagan temples. You understand? Sin was being flaunted and advertised to these Jesus followers, and now they had to learn to deal with sin all around them. Okay? Fallen, sinful activity around every corner in their new cities and towns. Okay? So, how do you handle temptation? How do you avoid getting squeezed into this sinful pattern I find myself in? How do I go against the flow and survive daily attack? That's what James is talking to his, his fellow brothers and sisters who used to be in his church in Jerusalem. Here's what he says first, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, remember? Romans 12, 1. This is almost the same exact idea. Submit yourself to God idea again and again, daily, hourly. Lord Jesus, I offer my body, my life, my mind, my will, my mouth as a living sacrifice to you, King Jesus. Got to admit, first, I can't fight temptation on my own. I'm going to lose every time. If I try to do this in my own power... I'm toast. Back to verse 7. Number two, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Want to say that with me? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Really? I, I, I thought I had like this magic bubble because I'm a follower of Jesus and, and Satan cannot uh, penetrate my bubble. No, not at all. He's actively going after followers of Jesus 
We're the threat. We're on the other team, okay? So this is not a passive war. Uh, we are fighting with a fallen, sinful world system, and it does have a leader, the prince of the power of the air. His name is Satan. His other name that we might know him as is the devil. Uh, it says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We're called to take action. You understand that? No, I don't just passively, oh, I hope it goes away. No, we take action, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were called to take action against the pagan Babylonian king. We're called to take action as the temptations and all of the pretty things that we know. You know what? I'm not to get involved. We're called to actively resist the fiery darts, the temptations to transform us, to make us like those around us who don't know Jesus. They, really, they don't really care much about the Bible or church or the cross, uh, and pretty soon we're just kind of blending in. We've, we've gotten squeezed into their mold. Active, look at verse 7, active action, resist going with the flow. Let me give you a few examples, okay? You, you can think of them in your own head, but how do you actively resist temptation and going with the flow and getting pressured to just blend in with everybody else, okay? Uh, these are very real ones to me. I'm going to unfollow friends who are using the F-bombs on social media, okay? So if you want me to unfriend you, just start using F-bombs, and I'm <laughs> sorry, no, no friend is going to, I don't need that in my head. Um, if you show me too much skin, sorry, unfollow. Uh, TikTok app, did you know that's like the number one app for young people? How many of you know about TikTok? Can I see your hands? About half of you. <laughs> it's interesting, and it looks like pretty harmless, and then pretty soon it's showing things that are appealing to my old sinful nature, guess what I had to do with TikTok? Bye-bye, <laughs> TikTok, okay? No, no, you're not, I don't want that. I, I'm going to perhaps have to quit hanging with somebody if they're regularly leading me into doing things that I know I shouldn't have a part of. You may have to say, I'm not going to hang with that person anymore. So that, that's active resistance, Okay. I may need to call Spectrum or DirecTV or Dish or drop some pay channels or cancel my Netflix account. Are you kidding? Who would do that? Uh, if I keep getting thrown into the manure because I'm constantly watching stuff filled with profanity and nudity and gore and anti-Jesus messages, you know what? Actively resist whatever it takes. That's the idea. Resist the devil, and all of the temptations he's throwing at us. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had to actively resist the temptation, the pressure of Nebi. What was he tempting them with? He was tempting them to disobey and ignore God's top ten. He wanted them, I think he probably knew after he thinks about it, uh, they're probably not going to do this, then they're going to be toast, okay? I'm going to put them right in the furnace. He was pushing them to worship an idol, clearly went against God's top ten. 
Here's my point, friends, and, and, I, and I'm including myself here. We're called to be lights on a hill. Remember Matthew chapter 5? All of northern Michigan should be able to see us. A light in the darkness on a hill with lights lit up. We as followers of Jesus should be shining bright to the people around us. All of northern Michigan should see Jesus in us. How can that happen? How can that happen? I take you back. James 4. Uh, what does this say? Daily submit yourself to Jesus. Offer your life as a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1. How often you got to do that? Daily. Bad days. Pressurized days. Tempting days. You might have to offer yourself, here I am, Jesus, and I need you. Hourly some days. Okay? So, First step, daily submit yourself. Jesus, I need you to take charge. I need your presence. I need your spirit alive filling me. And then second, actively resist the devil. Whenever temptation, whenever pressure to conform comes, trying to get me to go with the form, the flow, excuse me, I'm going to resist. I'm going to actively resist. Here's the choice. Just go with the flow. It's way easier, right? Just keep going. Just allow the world to squeeze you in its mold. Just, just don't worry too much if your light is dimming and dimming and dimming and slowly it'll just go dark. Don't, don't worry about that. That's one choice. Do nothing, and that's exactly what will happen. Or <laughs> follow the lead of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Submit yourself to God. Decide ahead of time, this is your book. I'm one of your kids. I'm going to daily invite you to take charge, and I'm actively going to resist the attack, the pressure, even if the cost is huge, even if the cost is painful. I'm going to actively resist. Going to step up and be a warrior for King Jesus? Going to say, okay, I'm on your team, Jesus, and I'm going to live that way. Or I'm just going to cave and allow the world to squeeze. I'm just going to go with the flow like everybody else. Let's pray. I invite you just to pause. and would you, would you be bold enough and brave enough to say, Jesus, would you speak to me in these next few moments? How does, how does this apply to me in my life? I'm listening. Couple questions. Have you daily, some days hourly, been submitting yourself to Jesus? Have you daily been saying, Lord, here I am. I need you. I need you to take charge of my mouth and my mind, my actions. That's the first step. If you don't do that, then you're not going to be very good at resisting.
Second question is this. How have you been doing it actively resisting the temptations, the attacks, the pressure that Satan and this world system has been squeezing, intimidating, tempting you? You're a follower of Jesus. Did you know that Satan's got a bullseye painted on you? Well, I didn't realize that. No, when you're a follower of Christ, now you've chosen a team. You've chosen the cross. You've chosen God's book. And suddenly now, Satan hates you. He works overtime. He and his demonic armies and legions, this fallen system that he's built desperately want to get you to go with the flow. Just look like everybody else. Think like every. Do what everybody else is doing. Watch what everybody else is watching. Nobody will notice. Nobody will care. That's the whisper. That's the lie. As we close... This will ask, if you're watching online right now or if you're here in person, is it time to step up and get serious about being on King Jesus' team? Is it time to actively submit your life daily to Jesus Christ? First step, key, daily, hourly some days. Once you've invited Jesus to take charge, rule and reign, now it's time to actively resist. And I love the promise. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So he comes on the attack and you resist. So he's never coming back, right? No, he's going to come back at the next opportunity. But at least for the moment, he's going to flee. Now that didn't work out. Anybody say as we close right now, Jesus, you're speaking to me. You're, you're knocking at my door about things that are going on in my life. And I just want you to know I'm hearing from you. Would you just lift your hand up and say, Lord, you're talking to me. And I just want you to know I'm, I've heard. Anybody else? Now there's other, others. But in the balcony, Jesus, you're talking to me today. Lord, I want to pray for my friends here, family, those watching online. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. It's good to be on your team, Lord Jesus. It's good to have you with us. You'll never leave us. You're the good shepherd. You're always here. Lord, help us to constantly submit and yield our lives to you. Critical step one. And Lord, secondly, would you help us to start actively resisting the attacks, the temptations, the squeezing, the pressure we feel. Lord, show us areas where we need to actively take action. Help us to shine real bright for your son, Jesus. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray all these things.